when you are at the end of your rope, when they said it is dead, when you have nothing else, when your glass is on empty, yet dare to hope. When you think it's over, God is just getting started. When you have had it with everybody, God is just standing up. When you are ready to quit, God is saying, now what can we do? Hello, friends, and welcome to the UMC Next podcast, inspiring messages that point to the future of the United Methodist Church. I'm Katie Dawson. And I'm Derek Scott III. Each episode, we listen to voices from across our connection who are reclaiming our Wesleyan heritage and reimagining how our worldwide denomination makes disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world. Reverend Jasmine Smothers serves as the lead pastor of the historic Atlanta First UMC in Atlanta, Georgia. This past summer, she spoke a powerful word of hope at the 2023 Florida Annual Conference, and I'm excited to share that message with you on this podcast. By reflecting on the words of Lamentations 3, Jasmine helps us name the difficulties of the last few years, but she also challenges us to remember the mission that we've all been called to and the great faithfulness of God who is always with us. We will need many things as we together build the continuing and emerging United Methodist Church. But Jasmine reminds us, or better, dares us to hope. This is a message that I think will light the way for us as we work for the future of this worldwide connection. So be inspired by Dare to Hope by Reverend Jasmine Smothers. scripture this evening to Lamentation. Lamentation is a little book that's right behind the prophet Jeremiah. And if you'll open your electronic devices or your Bibles to Lamentation chapter 3, we're going to read verse 1 and then 17 through 24 in the New Living Translation. It reads like this. I am the one who has seen the afflictions that come from the rod of the Lord's anger. Peace has been stripped away, and I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I had hoped for from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. And yet, say that with me, yet I still dare to hope. When I remember this, 
The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is God's faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And yes, that's a great place to clap. <laughs> Let us pray. Lord, here we are to worship. Here we are to bow down. Here we are to say that you are indeed our worthy God. So, Lord, we have come tonight not to hear a word from Jasmine, but expecting a word from you. So speak, Lord, for your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, and open our hearts and our minds and our souls. Pour out your Holy Spirit power on us so that when we leave this place, we will know that we have been in your presence and that we have been transformed. This is the prayer in the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. Hope is one of my favorite words. So I got real excited when I heard that the theme for this week was abound in hope. I love the word hope so much that I have a giant sign in my house that says hope to cherish a desire with anticipation or to want something to happen or to be true. How many of you have hope? I mean, not just lip service hope, you know, going around saying, well, I hope things are going to be all right. I hope the preacher won't preach long tonight. I hope the bishop will give me a good appointment. I hope the people will be nice to me. I hope the parsonage is going to be all right. I hope that that's what we call lip service hope. <laughs> It's just really putting things in the atmosphere, but not really claiming the power of the Most High God that is behind our hope. Oh, come on, you can do better than that tonight. I know we're just getting warmed up, but help a preacher out. If you look up this word hope in the Hebrew, you will find several different iterations, but this one is the iteration called yachal. It means to wait, to be patient, to be pained. You can say ouch, it's okay. It means to stay, to tarry, to trust, and to wait. As we go to lamentation tonight, I want you to imagine the prophet Jeremiah. No, really. 
Imagine, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you feel? What do you smell? What is happening when you sit in the presence of the prophet Jeremiah? You remember him, don't you? The weeping boy prophet who told God he could not do what God told him to do because he was too young, too scared, and didn't have the right words. Jeremiah whined and cried and whined and cried. And then finally, God said to Jeremiah, get up and go. Do not be afraid. They will fight you, (laughs) but they will fail. And let me tell you why. They will fail because I am with you. So by the time we get to lamentation, we traditionally understand Jeremiah as the writer of lamentation who has a couple of miles under his belt. You know, he's been through a couple of appointments. He's got some annual conferences behind him. He knows what an SPRC meeting is like, and he's got the church council rhythm down. He's even moved over to the city single board model. As the songwriter said, the road has been rough (laughs) and the going has been tough and the hills have gotten hard to climb and Jeremiah is wandering around saying, when will these people get it together? Lord, I did what you told me to do. I went in fear and trembling, and they still don't get it. I thought you said you would be with me. But instead, Lamentation says, I have seen the afflictions. I have gotten bitterness. I have arrows in my heart. People laugh at me. They mock me. My own people betray me. He says, I have no peace. It's been stripped away. And God, it's your fault. Because you said that if I would go, you would take care of it. And here I am, all these years later. My splendor is gone. Everything that I expected from the Lord is lost. The thought of my suffering and my homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget. What kind of awful time this is. I guess, Bishop, this is why we largely ignore lamentation in the Christian year. We'll we'll pull it out just a little bit for the Lenten season, but please, only just a couple of verses, okay? 
the lamenter reminds us that there's nothing new under the sun. That then people were losing their families. Then people were losing their homes. Then people were losing their communities. Then people were losing their lives. Then people were losing the way that they make money. Then people were losing their communities. Then people were losing their children. Then people were losing their legacies. Then people were losing their churches. And the temple fell down. So the only thing that's left to do is to complain. Sound familiar? <laughs> but lament is not just complaint. Lament is protest. Lament has embedded in it some issues of justice. It's not complaining for the sake of complaining, but it is calling out what God promised and expecting God to make good on those promises. <laughs> Honey, I'm sorry, but when you complain about the carpet, that is not lament, that's just... The Hebrew title of the book of Lamentation means the book of how, H-O-W, how. And the how is brutal. It's brutal today, it's brutal yesterday, and it will be brutal in the days become. It asks the question for us over and over again, how did this happen? How did we get here? Lord, why are you silent in these difficult moments? The book of how begins like this. How lonely lies the city upon the hill. Or maybe if we were to write it right now, oh church, once so full of people, you're now deserted. You were once great among the nations and now you sit alone like a widow. You sob through the night and all your friends have betrayed you and have become your enemies. Jeremiah could be any of us. clergy and laity worn out from the pandemic and all it has meant personally and to the church or maybe you're just fit to be tied by the political climate in this nation or maybe you're weary from doing your best to feed the hungry and bring good news to the poor. You're doing that, right? Or maybe it's the maddening pursuit of justice or praying continually for deliverance that you have yet to see. Or maybe you're worn out from trying to set the captives free and make the blind to see. Or maybe it was finally the disaffiliations and the meanness and the bitterness and the opposing camps and the friends who have become enemies that just finally pushed you over the edge. 
Oh, maybe that's just in my conference, Bishop Sue. <laughs> Jeremiah is done. He's had it. He's had enough. And he demands a space to cry out to God, to accuse the Lord of abandonment, and to say, why have you not done what you said you were going to do? He's the ultimate victim. The one at the receiving end of God's anger. I tell my congregation, if you can't say amen, you can say ouch. It, it, it's okay because I want you to let that sink in a little bit. You know, it's me, Lord. It's me who's struggling. It's me who's weary. It's me who's afraid. It's me that doesn't have any peace. It's me that they keep talking about. It's me that they keep wearing out. It's me that they keep asking to do more and more and more and more and more and more and more. It's me who is tired. It is me who has had enough. And if we are unwilling to call out where me is, we cannot get to hope. Almost eight years ago, I was appointed to a let's try it and see what happens situation. God of our weary years. <laughs> the first Protestant church of the great city of Atlanta was in trouble. Worship attendance was low, money was non-existent, the church wasn't reaching its community, and well, it had a very public reputation for being, well, exclusive. We started asking the how questions. We already know why. <laughs> you keep the glow doors closed long enough, nobody will come in. You, you run people off long enough, there won't be anybody else there. So we had to ask the how questions. How is it that we were able to get to a place where we believe that the church only exists for certain people? it that we understand the church as a country club instead of a hospital for saints? How is it that we understand that the church belongs to me instead of to God? How did we get here? We did some soul searching. Y'all, it was hard. There were lots of tears. There was pain and anguish and lots of showing the new pastor the grandparents' name on the pews and on the offering plates and on the, well, let me stop there. <laughs> Bishop Sue and Bishop Carter invited us to M-Lab. 
an opportunity to reimagine what church might look like if we moved beyond our imposed boundaries. Just dream, they said. Just dream. And God planted in us a vision to literally transform the city of Atlanta. You see, Atlanta First sits at the busiest intersection in Atlanta. It is the delineator between downtown and midtown. You can't come to Peachtree Street without seeing the church with the big red doors. And yet the people thought it was closed or not for them. How did we get here, oh Lord? I feel your affliction on every side. There's no peace here, Lord, because there's no direction forward. And when are you going to do what you said you were going to do? We're one of the only downtown churches that has land, 2.8 acres of land. And the Lord said, my people are sleeping on your front steps. What are you going to do about it? The Lord said, people are literally losing their lives on your front steps, being shot to death and stabbed to death. When are you going to do something about it? Because when I sit you to this place, I sit you with a purpose and a reason. I sit you to work toward the future with hope. What are you going to do and when are you going to do it? Bishop Sue said, you might want to call Audrey Warren. <laughs> so we did. And in October, we broke ground on an affordable housing development that is literally the linchpin for now the city's faith-based affordable housing initiative to decrease and eliminate homelessness and mental health issues in the city of Atlanta. I don't say that to get applause. I came here tonight to tell you this. When you are at the end of your rope, when they said it is dead, when you have nothing else, when your glass is on empty, yet, Dare to hope. When you think it's over, God is just getting started. When you have had it with everybody, God is just standing up. When you are ready to quit, God is saying, now what can we do? Because here's the truth of the matter. When we're out of options, we get out of God's way. 
And as long as we think we have it under control, we don't trust the God that made us to do what God sent us to do. And got quiet. Hope doesn't resolve or absolve. Hope does not resolve situations or absolve our responsibility in situations. What hope does is set us up. It sets us up to expect that something out of our control of our imagination, out of our purview, out of our ordinary way of being is getting ready to happen. This is the kind of hope that only comes from tarrying in the presence of God. The old people used to talk about tarrying when I was growing up. I was like, what are they talking about? Bishop, they stay at the altar rail all night long. And the preacher's kids were sitting on the back pew going, when do we get to go home? But the older I get, the more life I live, the closer I grow to Jesus, the more I understand that nothing happens without tarrying in the presence of God. You don't get this kind of deep, expectant hope without spending time with God. So now I understand Job, though he slay me, still I will trust him. I understand that waiting, that tearing, it triggers your memory. And when your memory is triggered, it reminds you about that time that God did the impossible. It reminds you about that lady who couldn't walk and almost died. And now she's walking all over the place. It reminds you about that child who was in the NICU and was not supposed to leave the hospital hospital but is now creating <laughs> you don't understand Jeremiah said yet I still which means he's done it before yet I still I remember the last time God did it. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. Great is God's faithfulness unto us. So in summer and winter and springtime and harvest, dare to hope when they want to leave and you're left in grief. Dare to hope when you want to stay but everybody else is going. Dare to hope when you're the only one that 
that shows up dare to hope when you're the only one preaching justice dare to hope when the winds of the hurricanes blow dare to hope when your neighbors are shouting racial slurs at little children dare to hope when they're shooting mothers dead through doors dare to hope when you can't tell when somebody is your friend or your enemy dare to hope when you feel low down dare to hope when they've done you dirty dare to hope when they criticize everything you do dare to hope when you're not sure which way is up it's all over dare to hope because in summer and winter and springtime and harvest sun moon and stars in their courses above join with all nature and manifold witness to stand and sing it. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy We hope you enjoyed the episode. The UMC Next podcast is produced by the team at Wesley's Revival, a ministry of Studio Wesley. Subscribe to this show on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or Google platforms so you don't miss a single episode. Thanks for joining us, and see you next time.